Welcome to Breaking the Chain, where we deep dive into the lives and experiences of entrepreneurs looking to shake up, change, and innovate their industries. In this podcast, we explore the challenges, successes, and everyday ups and downs of individuals fighting in the trenches for their dreams to become a reality. I'm your host, Nathaniel Chapman, and today I speak with Shale Mehta, CEO and co-founder of The Last Game Board. She's looking to completely challenge the status quo of tabletop entertainment by bridging the gap between board and video games. Welcome back, everyone, to episode two of Breaking the Chain. I'm so excited today to be joined by Shell Meta, who's the co-founder and CEO of Game Board, or the last Game Board, who produced Game Board One. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, I'm really excited. Honestly, my inner nerd has been really bouncing around the last few days when we confirmed that you'd actually come on the podcast. <laughs> but perhaps it's going to make a little bit more sense that you give us maybe a quick introduction for us and our listeners as to what your product is, because it's Game Board One. Yeah, yeah. Our first product is Game Board One. And we always say that we're bringing the human connection back to gaming, right? And it's a beautifully designed 16 by 16 inch hardware device. It's lightweight, it's thin, it's portable. Our goal is for it to be close to six pounds so you can travel with it. It has microphones, speakers, and a beautiful screen on top of it. Now our, you know, I always say it's the Kindle meets Peloton for gaming, right? You turn it on and you have access to a library of games. You can just click on anything that you want and the board will become that. And then you can add physical pieces. So cards we're working on right now, uh, game pieces, figurines, you can use them on the game board, a chess set that you have at home, you can play it on the game board. And then you can even sync your mobile device for a private gameplay, like your Scrabble tiles or your poker card. It's really a gaming console and a product that doesn't exist on the market today. It's actually incredible. I love the idea of combining board games and video games. And I imagine it has such a massive realm of potential possibilities because especially as technology, like historically has seemed really polarizing. You know, like I jump on my Xbox here at home I put my headphones in and but I don't I turn myself off to the world. Or if you think of kids with like their iPads, right? They sit in the corner and you, know, you don't hear from them for the rest of the night. Almost feels like board games are not as commonplace as they were when like when I was a kid. So is that kind of coming to your idea? Like why what sort of got you on this path of thinking, oh, like we'll create this product? You know, I think you kind of hit it. We've become so tech dependent as a society and screen time has gone up significantly. And the reason why, you know, parents like myself don't like our kids on screens at all times is because it's an individual experience, right? Even though you're connecting with virtual people in a virtual world, it's isolating. It's people that you'll never meet, people that you'll never engage with. And you're using technology as kind of a way to just escape. And that's what it is. You're zoning out to the rest of the quote real world. And you're just immersing yourself in this completely virtual environment, which is fine. And it has its place, but using technology to enhance human connection is where we should be going as society. We should create products that increase, and especially in the times of COVID, we should be creating products and technology that can connect us more. And physical and analog is a deep part of that. 
I think everyone honestly like fears this Orwellian future where we're just slaves to these machines and just completely isolated and and don't have this ability to connect and dialogue and talk with each other and board games at its core break down a lot of social construct and you just kind of sit around and you play with people and you learn so much and it's it is team building and it challenges you and it makes you understand how to work with people and and using technology to kind of amplify that experience is what we want to do it's really interesting you mentioned that because i've always thought like you sit down it used to be such a family affair and you learn actually so many different lessons you know, from different games. Like, I don't want to put out Monopoly because I think a lot of arguments probably started over Monopoly. Exactly. Than, than... I used to always cheat at Monopoly all the time. <laughs> I used to play with my brother and I would always cheat. I'd always be the banker and I'd always cheat. And then I'd look at him. He was like six years younger than me and be like, that's life. So that's, I mean, like you cheat. That's just how I played it. It would be war in my family. Oh my God. The amount of arguments and like boards getting thrown across the room because of Monopoly was insane. You even think back, like I used to play Risk as a kid. And one of the things you were, I was reading about your product, which I think is fantastic, is look, you play a board game, the night ends or you do a couple of hours and then you're like, all right, I need to go home. You can't really pick up where the game left off. You know, many times all the pieces get put away or you try and leave it. I remember leaving this Risk game on my dining room table as a kid. And my mom being livid because it had been out for like a week. You know, we still hadn't finished the game. I think that's a really cool thing about this product, right, is that you can play something, save it, and come back to it later or even play with people remotely. Exactly. Yeah. You can just save, even if you remove the physical pieces, the board can remember where you had placed the physical pieces. So you can save it and then it'll tell you once you open the game again and you restart the session that you're currently in on where you picked up, where you left off. And then if you have a game board and I have a game board, we can pick up the same game, even though we're not together in the same room again. So it gives you so many different ways to kind of solve the problems that I think people face with tabletop games. Yeah. When you, and you just don't see it as like a common, I don't see it as the most common thing to come out, even when you're having people over now as, as an adult, maybe, but you don't think of like breaking out like trivial pursuits, which was like massive as like for my parents and stuff at social occasions. Everyone tries to do something a bit different or turn the TV on or put a game on in the background or something. So it's kind of nice to have something that you can even just experience when you have people over. Again, bringing that social element back to gaming. Yeah. And you know, like social games are a huge part of it. And yes, are the first content on game board is board games, but it's just kind of our gateway into it, right? There's so many cool things we can do with this device. I mean, social games and party games and family games, like that's where we truly see the future of game board is this ability to just kind of, yeah, you have a few friends over and you can play like a really fun interactive cards against humanity. Or, you know, we just signed a deal with like the inventors of Hasbro's Bop It. And and that's going to be like an interactive, immersive game where people are just like, hitting things and using the room to kind of create this physical digital experience. And it is a party game, right? And it's not just meant for people who play really deep board games. So I think this device kind of opens up a different way to be social. Oh my God, pop it. That takes me way back. I saw the announcement. I couldn't believe that they were still doing, I was like, they still exist? I think of that back in my childhood. So that's so cool that you guys have done a partnership or built a partnership with them. Yeah, we... They have their 25-year anniversary coming up next year. 
They were looking for ways to kind of creatively relaunch interactive and hybrid games back into gaming and back into families. And Game Board is just a perfect vehicle for them because it, it gives you so much versatility with our tech. You can use the physical pieces. You can do some really cool things with it. You can make it a party game. You can make it interactive. Some of the ideas that we have are really cool with it. And now that we're kind of really on track to kind of develop this with them, we're going to do a line of hybrid games that kind of go around this ecosystem of Bop It Like. So it'll be cool. That is really neat. It's almost like board games needed this bit of an update, I suppose. But there has not been a single evolution in board games since they've existed. No, not at all. I think it's so cool. I think the idea that you can use any piece, that it can be so interactive, that you've opened up as well. I think it's really, you've opened up the platform. Like you really want developers to come in and, and add to this, which I think does open you up to so much that you can do, even in the type of games, you know, even if it's old classics or if it's board games or all sorts, I kind of see from some of the your marketing. So is that your goal, I guess, is to have this as accessible as possible? Yeah, our software development kit, our SDK is open. So anyone can have access to our SDK and they can start building on game board. You don't even have to have, we have a simulator so you can just create it in a virtual way. If you don't want to pay for a beta board, a dev board of game board, you can start already developing it in a in our simulator. So we want this to be a community product because that's what we're building, you know? And the thing that the three of us, the three founders that we all say is the coolest game on game board is something we'll never think of. It'll be something someone else thinks of. And why restrict that creativity to just the people building the product, right? This is about putting it out to the world and saying, here's a sandbox. Here's some cool things we put together with our hardware, right? And our tech and our software, what can you build? What can you imagine? And I think that's the power of what we're trying to do with Gameboard. Well, I love that the whole premise is that you're, it's a social environment. You're trying to bring people to being social again. So yeah, open it up, open it up and let the community also have an impact on the type of products and things that you could, could roll out. Because I always really enjoyed the story. And I think your story is extremely fascinating, but I believe like board games had a really big impact for you as a kid, didn't they? From like when you came over initially to the United States. So Talk me through it. Is that kind of what sparked the idea for this? And what role did board games really play in in your life? Yeah, you know, I immigrated to this country when I was six. We moved to Manhattan, Kansas, because my dad got a scholarship to study at KSU. So I immigrated here from India, and I, I have this vivid memory of, you know, there was this apartment complex that we lived in, and we had just moved in, and there was a group of kids outside playing snakes and ladders, shoots and ladders in America, in India, snakes and ladders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have this vivid memory of them just sitting around playing games. And I sat down and I played with them. I didn't know English. Nobody looked like me, right? Just like a bunch of pale faces staring at me. I'm like, what is this world? Um, <laughs> no one understood. Like I didn't speak English. We didn't really understand each other, but I sat down and I just started playing this game with them. And I think that's the truth of like kids. It's the truth of who we are as humans. Like we love to connect. We want to be, we want to know who each other are. We want to share stories. We want to be a part of, I don't know. We just want to be a part of each other's lives. Right. In that moment, we just, I sat down and I played an entire game with them. We had no idea what we were saying to each other, but we both knew the game. And 
board games have kind of just stuck with me since because I kept playing with them and I started learning English and it was my first friends and it was my first interaction into American society. I went on a completely different path in my, with my career, right? I'm a, I'm not an engineer. I'm one of the very few non-engineers on our entire team. I just have a passion for board games and I honestly created game board to solve my own problems in gaming. Why can't I play any game that I want? Why do I have to spend 80 bucks every time I want to play a game? And why can't I save it? Why do I worry about losing pieces? And I just want to be able to play with my friends and use real pieces. I started game board to solve my own problems. And I've found someone crazy like Rob Wyatt to build the product with me. That's really neat. You mentioned, obviously, Rob, and and we'll get into that. I think I'd love to talk a bit more about your path and how you reached this product, because it's amazing that this is an idea that was really sparked from something that you had from childhood and from some really vivid memories as a child. I believe you started your career working finance, right? For like hedge and venture capital. I feel like my entrepreneurship has kind of always been in me because my dad had Indian stores in Colorado, right? So I grew up on weekends and evenings just working at the grocery store, right? I mean, seven days a week, it was open. And there's no like classroom or education that can be compared to being an immigrant business owner in America in yeah. the 90s. So I feel like I've always had a first-hand experience into entrepreneurship. And when I graduated college with poli-sci, I obviously do nothing related to political science now, but I contracted for the Nuclear Regulatory Committee. I, I started working in hedge funds and in venture capital in New York a couple of years after I graduated college, after I lived in DC for a year. And it was the other side of what I'm doing right now. So doing a lot of due diligence for companies and figuring out what the roadmap is. And it was just, I guess, a different career path than what I wanted. And I guess I've always been this person who just wants to be challenged. And and that must have set you in a good position when you went that route, because at least you knew maybe what investors would be screening you for. I mean, do you think that has played an advantage in your own success? Yes and no, because... I think it's good because I've understood the financial part of the other side of it. I worked with energy funds and I worked with mining and minerals funds in South Asia and in Africa. So I didn't really understand the startup side of due diligence and the evaluation side of it. I understood the ecosystem of how a venture fund or a hedge fund kind of works in the broader scope, I guess. So, and Honestly, for me, everything was numbers. So when I started Game Board, I just focused on the numbers, right? I was like, okay, this is how we're going to make it. This is how I'm going to get this first customer. This is how, this is what my CAC is. And this is what my burn rate is going to be. And I just focused on the numbers and I forgot to talk about my story and, and why Game Board and what the vision was. And I feel like I made a ton of mistakes because I wasn't getting across the vision for Game Board. I was so focused on the number side because I thought that's all anyone cared about. So it was helpful, but then it also it also taught me a lot that I didn't know. So it was kind of getting that balance. And I feel like I'm still learning it and I, it'll continue to be an evolution. But it's something that I'm growing and learning for every day, like how to share my story and how to share what the vision for Game Board is. Because I have it in my head. It's just about saying it out loud and saying it on paper. And how you can communicate it effectively, bring it across to people what your vision is. It's interesting. Yeah, because you looking at your background, I go, well, all right, that must be such a benefit. But then I guess you're honing different skills 
you're honing a lot of the stuff that is on the financial side. And then this has kind of put you a bit outside of your comfort zone in something else. Yeah. And you know, when I'm in due diligence with a venture fund and we're going into the numbers and we're just driving down into to the financial model, that's it. That's where I'm at. Like my golden, you know, that's my golden hour. I'm great at that. I love that. And that's when we're really deep into it, but it's the process of getting there, right? You have to build a lot of trust. You have to build a lot of vision. You have to build a lot of connection with the person that you're talking to, to get to that point. But once I'm there and we're driving down into unit economics and all that stuff, like that's where I live. So it's, that has been beneficial, but it's just that part of getting there. So you go through the doing your financial career, you're doing a bit of this work, you're, you've worked at the, was it you said the nuclear, what, what was that? The Nuclear Regulatory Committee. I was a contractor. Oh One of the professors that I was working with at City University of New York was a part of that. So I just got to help him out with that. Wow. Okay. So you're going through this, you're having this successful career at FIDEDS, you're working in some pretty incredible and interesting roles. Where does this idea come from? Where did you then decide, you know what, I'm going to put this to the side and this is my product. So I was consulting for the city and county of Denver. So I live in Colorado now. I moved from New York about five years ago and I moved to Colorado and I had just had my daughter and she's three now, but two years ago, you know, I was just kind of thinking, I was playing a board game with my friends and I was just kind of thinking about, you know, you think about the future of your kids and what you envision them to kind of be a part of and what things in your life that they will want to be a part of. And I think that's where I was like, I cannot believe this product doesn't exist. I don't play Xbox. I don't play video games, but I play board games. And how am I going to connect with their kids are so tech savvy. And I was like, why can't I use a chess set on a touchscreen device? Why can't I use it on my iPad? What are the limitations? And that's what kind of drove me. And I'm also someone that once I get an idea in my head, it's really hard. I have to see it all the way through as small as it is or as big as it is. Like I need to get to the end result. I will watch a bad series just because I need to know how it ends. I can't finish that (laughs) bad book. I won't get up and I'll walk away because I just need to know how it ends. So that is just something that's always been innate mean. And it's all honestly... There's a lot of bad in that too, but with game board, it just kind of led me to the next step. I talked to a bunch of professors. We figured out theoretically how you could use physical game pieces and physical objects without batteries, without RFID, without NFC on a digital surface. And, you know, they were like, you just have to find someone crazy enough to build this. So I found out Rob Wyatt lives here in Boulder. I got a meeting with him through a one of my advisors. And we just ended up chatting about the future of gaming. And he created, he was the system architect of Microsoft's Xbox. He worked on PlayStation. He built Atari Magic Leap. He has this idea of what gaming is and what gaming technology should be. And we just clicked on that vision of what we wanted to create. I love that. I think we were chatting about this before, but is it true you showed up in his office with a six pack? I did. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. I Googled Rob and I found out he loves local homebrew beer. So I went around and I found some really great beers from around Boulder. And I showed up to his lab with like, I think I had 12. And I was like, hi, I have an idea for a gaming product. And I was like, here's some beer. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, we get into people having an idea. Like we spoke on the last podcast with Anthony about people being able to execute it. And I'd like to touch on the story, part of your story a little bit, because 
obviously you had this idea and your first port of call was, you said to go to professors. So how did you even think that that was, you said, all right, I'm actually going to action this or explore it. Where did you go next? You're thinking, oh, just any professor? Were there people you had in mind? What kind of research or due diligence do you have to do to even get those people in the room? So I first started researching just online, like digital table to our digital board games and what are the physical limitations. And I found a bunch of Google Scholar articles about RFID and NFC research of, of this professor here at the Colorado School of Mines doing it on a digital interface. And I went to CU Boulder. And so obviously I was just researching. I wasn't specifically selecting Colorado, but I'm here and Google filters based on your location. So I was just yeah. reading articles like these on Google Scholar about people that were attempting what I was trying to do in like white papers. And I emailed two professors, one at the University of Colorado and one at the School of Mines being like, Hey, I, you know, I, I'm working on a research project. I'm trying to figure out, I loved your paper and, and I kind of talked about their paper and how I think it would be applicable to me. And I asked for a meeting and both the professors responded and they were like, yeah, let's just meet. Let's have a conversation. So that's how I got that first step in meeting. And I think universities, because I had come from city university of New York and I just think universities foster so much innovation and they think outside the box and they're not afraid to think 50 years in the future. They take bold steps. They're very innovative with what they want to do with research. So the tech departments at both of these universities were really open to just being like, let's have a conversation about what this is. So I just went and I met with a bunch of professors and I kind of worked on some theories with them, went back and forth, nothing official, just like kind yeah. of going back and forth on email and, and a few meetings and phone calls and just talking to them. That's really cool. And I think people that are listening in or entrepreneurs or even just everyday people that are trying to get something done, a lot of this just came off the back of exploring it as an idea and reaching out to people and realizing they take the meeting. And I love that because obviously that touched back on Rob's story because off the back of those meetings, I think you got recommended to speak to him or that he was the guy in Colorado that was the the person to speak to in this. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, it's interesting that you can have an idea and if you really care to manifest it, you will. And it is just, yeah. I didn't even know, honestly, I had no idea what I was building. I didn't know I was building game board one when I reached out to them. I had a specific problem. Why can't I use physical pieces like a chess set? I use specifically the idea of a chess set. Why can't I use that on a digital surface? And those are the questions that I pose to people. And it just kind of snowballed into this. When I met Rob, I still had no idea what I was building. I didn't have a <laughs> of a product. I was just like, I want to build this thing that merges the physical and digital and social world. Like, I don't even know what I was saying, right? It was just like, you know, but he got it because we talked for so long about like what this is and what we wanted to build. And you don't have to know your end product when you are first starting out. You have to mm. know what problem you're solving. And that's the key. So forget about the big, you know, big pie in the sky. Oh, yeah, I'm going to build this fancy game board product. That was much further down the line. What we tried to do first and foremost was try to solve a problem that we felt was big. And Rob was a massive addition to this. So you came out of that meeting and he said, that's it, I'm on board. Yeah, you know, we talked for like four hours or five hours and he's like, I'm in, I'm your CTO, whatever you want to call me, I'm your co-founder, let's build this. And two months later, we had filed for our provisional patent. Oh my God, it what went, a snowball. Yeah, it like, went how incredible. zero to 180, like 
you know, zero to 90 or whatever the phrase is, but it went so fast, so quickly. And it's because of him. And then it was just like, you know, he was working, I think he was working on Atari. So this was just a side R&D project for him, right? He was not on it full time. He was just helping me out whenever he could. And it just kind of kept building and building. And we just started getting more momentum. We started getting a lot of game creators that were interested in what we were doing. And we put together our prototype, we put together our MVP and it just kind of, you know, slowly happened. I met Rob two years ago now. So it's been a while since we've been a part of this journey. And so Rob comes on board, you guys start then experimenting and looking to build, like think about the technology and what to patent. What are you guys doing at that stage? He's come on board. You are then going through what sort of process? We were honestly, it was very theoretical at that point. So there was no prototype built. We had nothing. Everything was just on paper. Our patent was on paper too, right? We just, you know, we actually have the old prototypes that we did for Game Board. First, we had like this 16 by nine device. So it's like a big rectangle. Yeah. It looked like a big iPad. And I mean, we have it at the office and we were just like, you know, we ordered a couple screens online and, you know, Rob put some hardware behind it and we just started messing around with it and stuff like that. But the first prototypes were really ugly and, but it, you know, it gave us ideas. And like the rectangle is such a shitty, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say shit. <laughs> no, you can. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like the, the rectangle is such a shitty experience because if you're sitting around with four people, what do you do, right? Who, two people have the advantage, two people don't. So we kind of molded this idea together. And in the meantime, there are about like 50 board game conventions that happen across the United States. And what I was doing was I was just going to these conventions and there's a ton that happened in Colorado where people just rent out like large conference spaces for a weekend and just play board games, like oh, wow. board games. And there's hundreds of people and they spend like 300 bucks just to come and play games with each other. I just show up at these conferences, ask to speak. I had like this little PowerPoint presentation. I'd be like, this is what I want to build. What does everyone think of this? And just get feedback, you know? What an incredible way to do some market research, to just show up at one of these things and just pose the question. Yeah, it was just like a, hey, I'm just doing this, you know, product. And this is what I, what do you see as the future of board games? And I put the question back on people. It was like, okay, well, if you envision the future in like 50 years, what do you see board games being? And that's how we created Game Board. I just asked a bunch of people what they thought. That's so cool. I find it just really, I mean, the idea of being able, you're talking about this product being a community product, you're talking about it bringing people together, and then actually going and seeking that feedback indirectly through kind of a forum of these board game conferences is just a really neat way to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I bribe people. So you know me, right? Like I showed up with Rob's thing with beer at these conferences. I would literally have, you know, cause I'd get the last slot cause I didn't have a product or anything. So it'd be like the 4 PM slot or something. So I'd have like wine and beer and like snacks. And I'd be like, Hey, there's free food in here if you want to listen to my presentation. <laughs> but I got, you know, I think one of the first ones I did, the room was 250 people. Brilliant. That's invaluable. Especially at that stage where you are with your company. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have social media. We didn't have a website. We didn't have anything. You know, I was collecting people's emails on an Excel sheet on my computer being like, oh, well, you know, if this product comes to life, do you want to know about it and stuff? And I just started collecting emails, started gathering information. So you, and after these conferences, so you're starting to do some market research. You guys are building a prototype. It's kind of going through the stages, which by the way, you should definitely keep those prototypes, right? Put them on display as you guys grow. I think that's going to be so cool. What then? You've, so you've got, gone to market research. Have you guys gone through a stage of building a workable prototype yet? Yeah, are you, is that been your goal of what you're working to now? 
No, so our, our prototype is complete. We're past mechanical and electrical as well. So we've completed our MVP at this point as well. And once we kind of finalized that, we needed funding, right? We did a, a pre-seed round. We had an angel investor in Colorado participate in it. We did a friends and family round as well last summer. And then we started reaching out to game developers too, right? Being like, hey, and we reached out to game developers that I call our Goldilocks zone, right? So they're, they've done physical games, They know that they're making nothing in retail. So they've started creating an app or an online version to diversify and understand who their customer is. So they have a CTO on board, they have a tech team, and there's tons of companies, board game companies that do that. So we started reaching out to these two, like this set of companies being like, hey, join your efforts. I'm looking for just letters of intent to put your games on Game Board One. So that's how we just started talking to companies being like, hey, you know, you're getting crushed in retail. You've already created an online version. Why don't you merge those two efforts? It doesn't really cost you that much except time from your engineering team to get it built onto Gameboard One. But let's work together. And that's how we started building that initial traction from game developers. And that's how we were able to, to get our first round of investment was our prototype and showing game developers that are on the platform. Then it was time to kind of validate our price points, right? And that's when we did our Kickstarter last October was, okay, now we have our prototype complete. We have game developers signed on. We have a little bit of money. Now, does the market want to pay $400 for this device? Do they want to pay a subscription? What is this core audience that I've built from just talking to them at conventions, are they going to put their money where their mouth is? Are they going to purchase the game board? And that's when we put yeah. it out on Kickstarter. So we got funded in less than 22 hours, which was amazing. What a great, I mean, again, I think if anyone's listening in on this, it's, it's, take some notes from like Market Research 101. Like you've gone to these, it hasn't costed you anything to go to that conference. People will put money into companies to get that kind of valuable market research where you have 250 of your target audience sitting in the audience and commenting and giving you feedback on your product. But then to think of, Kickstarter not only as a as a money earner, but a way to validate your price point is genius. I think it's a really cool idea. And I'm sure I've not really heard people do it before. Maybe that's why people are using that platform. But what a great way for you to say, hey, this is what we're going to sell it for. How much did you guys raise in the end? We ended up doing close to 185000 in 20 days. I mean, it was great. And, you know, we didn't push marketing dollars. This was just off of emails that I'd collected and people like we didn't have money to do like fancy social media ads. Like we didn't have and like do big ad buys because people that have, you know, hundreds of thousands to spend can get million dollars on Kickstarter if they're pushing a lot of ads. We did not have money for that. So there's like algorithms you have to hit in Kickstarter. And we didn't know how to play those games. We were just like, hey, we have a bunch of people who are interested in potentially buying this product. I will say, another hack that I did for marketing on no budget is I would reach out to like, there's tons of Facebook groups for board game players. And I would post on there. I say, Hey, I'll send a pizza to your next game night. If you and 10 of your friends take my survey. And I created a survey on SurveyMonkey about like, what games do you love? What do you see as the future of game board? Can I have your email? Like I would just have 10 basic questions and I would get them and 10 of their friends to take my survey and pass it along. And I, I would just randomly pick a winner and send them pizza. Oh, that's great. Again, that's really creative. And people are not like, what a great way to start engaging more with your audience anyway, because you're opening up that communication channel by even just offering that free pizza, which again, with the scope of the info, it's like nothing. 
Yeah, it's nothing. It doesn't cost them anything. All it does is is helps me make sure that we're on the right path with our product. And you know, one of the cool things we learned in our Kickstarter too was we have this feature, which we thought was a nice to have, but it was the ability to connect four game boards or more together to make it a larger space to play on. So without hardware, we have the ability, if you touch two game boards together, kind of the game that you're playing expands, it mirrors into multiple game boards. So we thought that was a nice to have feature. It ended up being our most popular. Wow. I use that for things like Dungeons and Dragons and like big map sort of board games anyway, or do you think it can apply to to various different platform games? So Dungeons and Dragons is one of the biggest games we have on our platform, and that's what we had on Kickstarter. And so a majority of the people that backed us wanted D&D. So that is a core feature of what they wanted because they use, you know, dining room tables and huge areas to play D&D. So it was a perfect way to kind of, oh, wait, I can connect multiple boards and it becomes bigger. That's so cool. With those games as well, you know, we talked about Risk, Monopoly, and Dungeons and Dragons is an obvious one to think of. I think everyone knows, even if you're not a board game player, people have heard of Dungeons and Dragons, whether positively or you know negatively, whatever. You know, um, I mean, people are scared to figure it out because it's complicated and there's so yeah. much setup and there's so much learning. And but if you have something that makes it easier, you're more likely to try it. Exactly. For those of you who've watched Stranger Things that are tuning in, it's that game they're playing at the very beginning. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. But don't worry, the monsters won't manifest in real life and you won't get trapped in the upside down. <laughs> Our um, Kickstarter video is completely inspired by Stranger Things. That's cool. Yeah, I, I got that feeling when I watched it on your website. Before you went to Kickstarter, you were saying you actually got a working prototype before you seeked that initial investment. How did you fund it then? Or were you guys just doing it in your free time? I've heard, obviously, people products can go through so many stages of development. And obviously, maybe you're still be doing that with your different prototypes, I imagine. But was this still all self-funded before you and you did that with your own working prototype? Because that's got to be quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, all the co-founders put in money. We were all working separate jobs. I was working a full-time job when our prototype was done, but it was completely self-funded, us getting the parts. And and Rob has a ton of, he has a lab, right? I call it the lair. In <laughs> but he has a ton of equipment. He has a ton of stuff in there already. It was just a matter of like ordering components and getting things put together. And and he knew how to do that. So he just needed the pieces. So it was just order. And, and it's expensive, you know, ordering one-off pieces of everything. But that's how we got our first prototype working is just by ordering things online on Amazon and he would put them all together and he did it himself. He still puts together all the iterations of, of our product together by himself. Brilliant. And then you have this working prototype, you go through this kind of closed door, you know, uh, funding, you then release on Kickstarter, which was the end of last year. So this must be such a, a turning point for you now, because even when you, because are you thinking about doing a more open funding stage then? Yeah. So I think now we're much more of a seed stage company and now we'll go after seed stage funding as well. So obviously COVID has thrown a loop. Like it's just put us back in schedule for when we wanted to raise our seed round. I think once things calm down in the market and things have kind of settled out, we'll pick up, you know, fundraising for our seed round in the end of summer. But until then, like we're producing, we're working on our gaming content or our developer relationship. You know, we just, we hired a 
a head of software about two months ago to kind of take over all the software side of game board because it's just as important as the hardware side. So someone to really help Rob out. We have a couple of hardware engineers that are working for us now. We still have some job openings on our website. If anyone wants to take a look, uh, we need a UX UI designer. But so we're moving along on things that aren't really affected by COVID and supply chain. There's still a ton to do, but we'll pick up our funding round towards the end of summer. That's, I mean, but you've come now to a point where you've done that initial seed round, you've built a prototype, so you can see it working. You've got this market research, which has come off of your own initiative. You then have this Kickstarter platform that comes in and, and gives you a nice influx of cash, you know, at the end of last year, but also validates your product. When you do go to that seed round stage, I'm sure you're feeling quite confident that, look, I, look what we can actually bring to the table. It's a lot more than a lot of companies that decide to go that route. I think, incredibly, you've done that self-funded, which is extremely impressive because you've obviously then put that all together, your guys yourself. But two, then when you go to market, people will see that effort and work you've put in on your own and then what they can actually see as a result of it from your market and from your product. You know, the biggest hurdles that I have to cross is the venture world is terrified of hardware, right? They're terrified of hardware. They're terrified of, of something that relies so heavily on the hardware component of what we're doing. But, you know, for me, it, it's all about the team. And does the t- has the team built and scaled products in hardware before? Do they know how to mitigate risks? Because there's risks in every single, you know, product, every consumer product, whether hardware or not, software products, everything has its own hurdles and obstacles to kind of go through, right? So is your team prepared to mitigate those risks? That's what we have to really prove is why. And I think having Rob on our team just kind of speaks volumes of that without us really saying anything is that he's done this successfully multiple times, right? So being able to have that kind of validation from a team side is really important, but venture funds are are terrified of hardware. So that's a huge hurdle that I have to cross too. And so what's the present state of your company now then? Because obviously you're saying you're advertising for new roles or have you gone full-time with this now, you and Rob, or is the team you're bringing in, how many are you? Yeah, there's seven of us. Um, We're all full-time. So that's exciting. From when? When did you go full-time? I went full-time last year, actually. I went full-time last April. So once we completed our prototype and we did our first funding round, I went full-time with Gameboard. So Rob became full-time as of January of this year. Oh, cool. It must be such incredible milestones to hit as a business to be like, oh, I actually work for this company now. It's nerve wracking. It's very difficult, right? Because there's so much risk and there's so many ups and downs. And, you know, some days are really hard. Some days are really easy. And actually, most days are really hard. And then you have moments of like, oh, this is really good. But most days are really difficult. And it's how you work together as a team and how strong you are in that mission. I think that's what really takes you to that next level is to keep your eye on the prize and make sure you trust the people sitting next to you. Because it's a long, hard road. And I know that it's just going to get more difficult, but it's about trusting and being open and being agile. I think that's really important too. Have you found that COVID has made this more difficult now? I mean, you're hiring people in. There's obviously people doing a lot of stuff on the software and and hardware development. As an owner in this kind of climate, how much has your business been impacted? You know, from the fundraising side, it's definitely, you know, delayed our schedule. But from the business side, if anything, I wish Gameboard was on the market a year ago. It would have been a game changer. I think that we have signed on more content partners in the last six weeks than I have all year. You know, these analog companies who 
were so hard to change their mindset of the future, right? They relied heavily on retail and supply chain are now getting hammered. And now they're looking for ways to solidify their revenue and protect their revenue streams in diverse ways in the future. And incorporating technology is a really positive way to do that, right? To be a part of a marketplace, to be a part of a platform, to be a part of a subscription that has predictive revenue on a month-to-month basis is important. So I think people are realizing from the content creator side, the need for game board. And I think it's just kind of validated what we're doing, if anything, COVID has. And yes, the funding thing sucks and it's a pain in the ass and we'll pick it up when we can. But from the product side, it's really strengthened our resolve and what we're building. Yeah, I imagine this kind of impact is people are sitting around playing board games or it has actually maybe brought people back to you know, doing things like this. Anyway, you know, the world's kind of slowed down a little bit in this current climate, which is, you know, I, obviously COVID's a terrible thing and I want to make that pretty clear, but there has been times where even at home here, I'm finding that we're more together, you know, we're trying to figure out things to do at home again. So I'm sure there's been a peak of interest that's come off the back of that. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think that we're looking for ways to be together even if that's virtual, even if that's, you know, not together, but in smaller groups, how do you engage? How do you, how do you do activities? How do you play games together? Even if it's in a small group of two or three, and we're looking for new ways to do that when you can't go out and when you can't participate in the way that we used to in this world. And we will again, but I think there'll be a part of us that'll always understand the value of being connected and being together. So I think that's important to hold to us. You know, I think that's the truth of it. As as horrible as COVID is, I think you're right. I think the truth of it is, is to appreciate what we have and to be grateful for what we have. So now you're waiting for this next seed round. You're in development now. You're hiring people on board. I think I was reading an article that you guys have a pretty, you, you set some aggressive dates as to when you want to release this product. So do you have a date in mind or is it sort of, you're still waiting? What's your thoughts? When can someone get one of these in their hands? So we start releasing like our dev boards and all that stuff um, this summer as we had predicted on Kickstarter. So the first initial run of units and stuff isn't really disrupted too much by what we're doing. But then we're hoping to do that full production run beginning of next year. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like a long way away when we say it now, but you're saying the beginning of like 2021. Yeah, like we're hoping that we can do like a full production run or start our production run until then. So we're probably still a year out before the the product fully gets to market, but we'll be able to start sending out our dev boards and like the early backers, we'll start doing those in small increments towards the end of this year. That must be so exciting to feel now. I mean, it's been a two-year journey for you so far. You've obviously had uh, like an incredible way of getting through, you know, all these different challenges, I guess. And now you're potentially six months away from releasing your product. Yeah. I mean, our first products are like our beta units for developers. That's where we're that close. I think gotcha. the full product run, we're still about a year away from that. I don't think that's going to happen this year, but the first products that we're going to release from our beta versions are going to be this year. So I think that'll be really exciting just to get the game boards to developers, to everyone that backed us early, that kind of helped do the developer kit that, you know, want early access to the game board. I mean, it's not going to be the final pretty product, but it'll be what game developers are used to getting when they see a hardware, a new hardware product. So we're excited. I think that'll be a huge milestone for us. Oh, I mean, just what a stage to be at though, where you've got people actually implementing and, and bringing their products across, you know, utilizing this platform. So exciting times ahead. Exciting, nervous, you know, all those feelings at the same time. 
Thank you so much for coming on. And I obviously, I'd love to finish with this last question because you've you've turned this round, I say incredibly quick. You've worked really hard over the last few years. I think I've misspoke there because I spoke with Anthony in our last podcast. It's taken him seven years. You've come into this and, and really hit the ground running. You've had an idea in your mind from what you want it to be. And you've gone and you just went for it. You know, you went and spoke to the right people. You showed up with beer at the at the right person's office and, and really drove through with this. So, you know, what's one piece of advice I think that you've learned from this two-year process to an entrepreneur who has a pro- an idea, a product like maybe like this one? What's with something that you wish you knew when you started that, uh, that you know now and, and probably could have helped you earlier in your journey? You know, with a product like Gameboard, like I always wish I had wanted to do like an easy quote, easy. I know there no startup is easy, but like a less difficult product. I have a hardware product. I have a software product. You know, when you're a hardware company, you're a hardware and a software company, right? And we focus on a marketplace and a platform and we have a very complex product, right? And I think that makes it very difficult. But if you are trying to do a complex product, I always believe in failing fast, don't waste your time. Don't waste years. Either get validation immediately and fail. And it's okay to fail, but just keep going until you hit a roadblock of, okay, this isn't going to work anymore. And you have to do it fast. If it's something that you can take your time in, and if it's something that you can kind of shape and understand and and all that stuff, that's great. Gameboard is a long journey for it. It's, it's years ahead. But the first initial things for us are really important getting that right CTO, getting the hardware. Without Rob, this wouldn't have gone anywhere, right? So getting that team is really important. I've made so many mistakes. So, but I feel like I've learned from every single one of those mistakes. Whether it's that first prototype, I had like the worst design of like, I wanted the board to fold and it was just way too expensive. I would have come out with like a $2,000 product. But there was so much time that we went down these rabbit holes of, you know, what the tech is and what the R&D is. And, but you have to let yourself do that, right? You have to make those mistakes. You have to create something that you look at like we did and we're like, oh my God, this is shit. And then it was back to the drawing board. So you have to allow yourselves to make that mistake. And it's important to jump and give it your heart and your soul as long as you can. And when you stop doing that, that's when it, as a founder, as a CEO, if you ever stop feeling that spark, then it's time to pivot. It was a pleasure speaking with Shale Mehta, and thank you all for joining us. You can learn more about The Last Gameboard and their product, Gameboard One, at www.lastgameboard.com. See you all next week, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button.